Uh, so we're looking at this passage from Titus chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 and you may want to uh, have that in front of you as you are uh, as you're you're listening. Uh, Titus chapter 1 1 to 4. Uh, now the question that I wanted to start with is just thinking you know what is the point of the clergy? You know, what's the point of the clergy? Because different people have got uh, different ideas about what people like like myself are here for. Some people think that the clergy are really there to be social workers in dog collars. You know, we're there to go round and help people, help the people who are poor and vulnerable, and you know, we're to give them a leg up and kind of help them socially. Um, and I think there is um, some some merit in that view. Um, other other people think that um, you know, clergy are just there to give a nice sermon once a week. I mean, there's always the joke about about clergy that they only work one day a week and um, you know that uh, I, I still think there are people who think that and um, you know that uh, yes we're just there to do a nice sermon every every so often. Is that the reason that we're here? Well this is why I think it's it's helpful to look at this book of Titus because Titus is one of the the so-called pastoral epistles and it's so called cool because it was written to to pastors, to Timothy and Titus. Uh, so one and two Timothy and Titus make up the pastoral epistles. And, um, and it, it, it helps us to understand how God wants, uh, wants pastors to be. And Titus, he was a younger pastor on Crete and Paul had, had put him there and assigned him to, to do uh, certain tasks which we'll come on to in, in future weeks. Uh, but you know, it's not just for pastors. This, uh, this book or the pastoral epistles, it's for the whole church. And, and this is why it's important for us to think about because this doesn't just affect uh, me, but it, it affects everyone. And, uh, and that's why it's good for us to be, to be looking at today. So Paul, he starts off this, uh, this letter, this, this uh, one to four that we're looking at today is just the introduction. But in the introduction, I think Paul sets out his stall. He sets out the themes which he'll come on to uh, and sort of uh, flesh out in the rest of, of the letter. So he, he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So Paul starts out by saying he's a servant or, or even some might translate that slave. I think the modern translations tend to um, shy away from that word because of the connotations these days. Um, but actually, that's what Paul says, you know, he's a, a servant, a slave of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he says straight off the bat that his, his ministry is not his own ministry. Now he, doesn't, he doesn't belong to himself, but he belongs to God. And any ministry that he has is God's first and foremost, that he is only working for, for someone else. And as an apostle, he is someone who is commissioned with a particular message. You know, he's been commissioned for a reason. And what reason is that? It is, uh, he says, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So he says that his job as an apostle is to further the faith of God's elect. That is, you know, Christians, those who who uh, believe in the Lord Jesus, uh, to further their faith 
and to increase their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So the knowledge, not just um, imparting information, but knowledge that leads to godliness. And that's the, the key thing for Titus, I think, for this whole letter, which is that the gospel is not just about knowledge. It's not just a transfer of information, but the gospel should lead to the fruit of both faith and godliness. The gospel should lead to the fruit of both faith and godliness. And we'll come back to that uh, in a minute. And so Paul, he, he goes on in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Uh, a hope of eternal life. I think hope in the Bible and especially in the New Testament means something a little bit different to the way that we would use the word hope. And hope is a much more of an assurance in the in the New Testament. It's something which we can be sure of rather than, you know, oh, I hope I'll see you later today. It, you know, it's not that sort of a hope, but actually a, a steadfast and sure kind of a hope. And that's what Paul uh, means there. It puzzled me a bit as I was going through this. It says the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie. Why did Paul put that bit in? You know, it doesn't he doesn't use that in any of his other letters, I don't think. Why did Paul include that specifically here? And I think the reason is because of the context of Crete. If you look down a little bit to verse uh, verse 12, this is the saying which was said about Cretans. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. And one of the, uh, the commentaries I was reading about this said that in Crete, lying had almost become a virtue. You know, it, was, it wasn't seen as a, as a wrong thing at all. It, in fact, Cretans were known for it, for, li for lying. Cretans were, were liars. And that's why um, Paul says that uh, God does not lie. And I think it's interesting, isn't it, you know, that we're living in days of fake news. You know, we live at, at a time when you know, the, the big thing is fake news appearing on, online, on the internet. You know, so much is appearing. And, post-truth society and so on and I just thought that's a really good thing to remember at this time that God does not lie you know that Jesus is the truth that God uh, does not lie and it's what he says as well uh, because it, it says he promised it before the beginning of time and this is why he you know because God he does what he promises he doesn't lie when God makes promises he keeps them and so the promise of eternal life he promised from, from ages past and has been brought to fruition in Jesus Christ. And so then he says, uh, he has brought this to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. How has he brought that to light? Through preaching, through the preaching uh, entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. So it's through the preaching of the gospel message that this message of eternal life has been brought to us. And think it's not Paul's own message. You know, think about what he said about being a servant. This is just what he says uh, elsewhere, that the gospel message is uh, sort of given on trust. Uh, he is a steward of it. And this is what he says in 2 Timothy, for example, 2 Timothy chapter 1, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 14. 
guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So the message of, of the gospel is not something which belongs to anyone other than, other than God. And that God is the one who entrusts it to us. Uh, and especially to those stewards like Paul, uh, ministers of the gospel who are to, uh, to preach it faithfully. And this is how God works through the preaching of the gospel. Let me read you one more, one more verse. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how, uh, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so this is, uh, this is what, what Paul is saying, that the preaching is the means by which God brings the gospel to people. And God changes them by the power of the gospel. God brings that message of eternal life to people by, by the preaching of this sort of apostolic uh, preaching, the apostolic message. And so Paul, he continues and, and finishes this part uh, to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. I like that he says, my true son in our common faith. And I think it just says something about their relationship, doesn't it? How warm and you know, even you know, close their relationship was, you know, my true son. It's lovely that, you know, the church is and, and should be like a family. And I think we see that in the Bible and uh, it's something that we should see in our own church as well. So what can we learn from this as we try to bring a few a uh, few threads together? What can we learn from uh, this passage in Titus? I think the first thing is that pastors and and sermons are not there for uh, for information and not there for entertainment. Now I, I think this is a, an important point to make particularly in the days of um, you know lots of TV channels and the internet and the reason is because it's very easy and perhaps I don't know if you've had this you know, during lockdown I don't know if you've looked at other other churches and looked at what other churches have been have been putting out but it's very easy I think to to seek out uh, these days churches uh, and you know online sort of content which is better than your own church or in some in some respects you know which is more entertaining which suits you better with a style which is in a style that you prefer and you know perhaps they've got better music perhaps they've got better visuals perhaps they've got more engaging preachers or whatever it may be and it, I think it's very easy in this day and age of uh, the media and the internet to to be kind of um, uh, you know to want to pick pick and choose ones that will entertain us the best and that we sort of engage with the best. But that's not, that's not the way that Paul says that we should, we should look at things. That primarily we need to be looking for uh, someone who will preach the gospel and preach the word faithfully because it's a message from God and it's a message which is just entrusted to us. You know, so at the end of the day, every church should be preaching the same message. 
every church, uh, every pastor has been entrusted that message of the gospel from God and everyone should be preaching the same message. So it's not about looking for uh, looking for churches which will entertain us the most. It's actually looking for a church which is being faithful to the message of, of the gospel. And kind of which leads on from that, the second thing is that the gospel message doesn't change. That the gospel message belongs to God and it doesn't change. Particularly, it doesn't need updating for the 21st century. Now, uh, particularly, I think this was the case through the, the 20th century and um, in, in the 21st century, I think, you know, it's just continued. But, you know, we do live in a time when there are a lot of challenges to, to the gospel coming from within the church. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, people can't believe that anymore. So we'll need to you know, remove those bits from the Bible. We'll need to remove the bits from the Bible where it says, for example, marriage is between the man and the woman. Um, we'll need to remove all of the uh, all of the the bits which you know are inconvenient for us as a society. But this is the thing that the gospel message doesn't change. God doesn't change. He doesn't lie, and that uh, the gospel message doesn't change. And you know, what was true then is true now, uh, in, in of God's truth. And so this is why we need to find someone. Uh, we need to find primarily those who will proclaim the gospel to us who will not change it to suit you know the 21st century kind of um, sensibilities but who will preach the true message from God that is uh, that is the one that we need to be to be listening to and the final thing the third thing is that the gospel message should lead to godliness I think this is the real acid test of whether uh, what is being proclaimed is the gospel and whether what is being heard is the gospel is whether it leads to godliness. Now this could be that um, it might not lead to godliness if what is being proclaimed is not the gospel. Like I was saying unfortunately some churches distort the gospel you know some churches only talk about the nice things only say how God is love and they don't talk about a need for repentance um, and that, I think, is, is a distortion of, of the gospel. Um, so it could be that the message that is being proclaimed is not the gospel if it doesn't lead to godliness. Or it may be that it's not being heard. And this is the thing that, you know, that we have a corresponding duty to listen to the gospel message and to let it change us and to engage with it. And unfortunately, I think it is possible for someone to be going to church for years and years and years and yet never really hear the gospel message and, and not to let it change them. And you know, I mean, I, I don't know how that's even possible, but apparently it is possible um, because, you know, um, you can uh, sadly, it, it is the case that, you know, someone I've heard people who've been going to church their whole lives all of a sudden say, oh, you know, and I remember I think there was someone who came on Christianity Explored a few years ago um, who actually uh, does sometimes come to Wednesday Worshippers. And, uh, you know, she said, um, you know, I, I've been going to church for a long time, but they didn't really understand the gospel until one day the, the penny dropped. And so, you know, we have a responsibility. And one thing, one just little practical thing which I'd like to suggest um, for you is not just sort of thinking about, 
you know, the content that we allow ourselves to watch online or, or on TV or, or whatever, but also thinking how do we approach the church service, whether that be online or whether that be, uh, whether that be you know, sort of physically, and hopefully soon it will be able to be, to be physically. But how do we approach that? Now, do we approach with the attitude of humility, thinking, you know, I want God to speak to me through the word. I want, uh, I want God to, you know, I want to come with reverence and awe. And that's why I was, I wanted to have that, that song to, um, just before. Uh, we, we gather around the word of God to hear what God has to say to us through the preaching of the gospel. Because you know, th this is a, something, it's a responsibility for me to proclaim the gospel message as I have been entrusted. But also it is a responsibility for, for everyone who listens to listen with soft hearts and to pray that God would speak that message into our hearts. So perhaps, you know, just to, to think about as we go away, uh, as we finish here, is to think, you know, can we come to, a, to church services in the prayer and in humility, asking God to speak to us, asking him to change us by his word you know with that that prayer maybe using that that song as a prayer you know lord jesus let me meet you in your word do we come with that attitude i'd just like to to finish and, and uh, leave you with that thought so let's take a moment to pray now and ask god uh, to help us heavenly father we thank you for the book of titus and we pray that you would bless us as we as we go through it over the next few weeks and we pray that you would help us to understand your word that we would meet you in your word as we read at titus and as we read the scriptures day by day please be working in us please be changing us through your word and please help myself and all ministers of your gospel to be people who will do what you have entrusted us to do to preach the gospel uh, without distorting it, but uh, to preach it faithfully and clearly. We pray all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.